Hey, this is Todd Hoffman from WSTR Galactic Public Access, and you're listening to Conversations with Pat and Charles. These two goofballs will make you laugh, and you'll learn a little bit something about Star Wars. And there's been a tornado warning here tonight. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat. And this is episode 24. In a galaxy full of outliers, criminals, and rebels, the Empire needs enforcers to rein in their scum. Only the best carve a name for themselves in this complicated profession. Only one has the mantle of most feared bounty hunter in the galaxy. Boba Fett. For real this time. <laughs> we want to thank Todd for trying to keep us on track with the last episode, but that net is a tricky thing. Yeah, and uh, we went off the rails all the time. Oh, did we? Yes. Did we ever? And, uh, and, but now, thankfully, we have Todd. He's, he's here in person. He's here in person, like he's sitting right across from us. Across from our screen. Our screen. But yes. But he's here to make sure we actually stay yes, on topic. Yes, because we are absolute dweebs when it comes to trying to stay on topic. So thank you, Todd, for joining us. And how you doing? I'm doing well, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on uh, through through the hollow, the hollow net. Say our last connection was a little spotty. So. so before we jump into things, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about WSTR Media and the Galactic Public Access and your awesome show, Big T and Little T. And it is, it is such a great little show you have as well. Introduce yourself to the maybe four or five people that don't know you. I was going to say to the four or five listeners that listen to the show. No. Uh, <laughs> well, that's that's seven. <laughs> he counted them. Uh, I was just using your joke on your yes, show. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so I'm Todd Hoffman, and I am a Star Wars addict. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've been – I mean, Star Wars has been kind of – in my blood since I've been five years old, you know, kind of like a Cassian thing. Like I've been fighting this war for, you know, since I'm six years old. So, um, yeah, it's just been, it's just been one of those things. And, uh, slowly people are coming around and saying, Hey, I like Star Wars too. I'm like, I really like Star Wars. So, um, yeah, it's just been a progression. It got into reading a lot. And then that kind of turned into once, uh, the special editions came out, started collecting power of the force two. And that was a big rabbit hole and started collecting. And, um, and then that turned into getting custom drawings from artists that I like cause I was into comics. And then that turned into, well, I want to have art on my body. So that turned into, a bunch of tattoos, and then I'm like, I want to be part of the 501st. So that kind of all happened, and basically in 2016, uh, became a member of the 501st, started a Star Wars podcast, and watched Rogue One. It was kind of like a whole thing that kind of all came together. Um, but yeah, so WSDR, Galactic Public Access, uh, has kind of grown and morphed a little bit. So we have uh, five members on the team now, and it's it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it's just an excuse to talk about Star Wars. And 
we kind of pitch it like NPR in space. That's kind of, <laughs> yep. nice. that's, that's kind of where it kind of came from, like roots and radio. So that's why we have the WSTR, which is like a handle, but it's technically called galactic public access. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us at, uh, WSTR media. Um, and so, yeah, that's been going on since our, our first episode was about Rogue One, right before Rogue One came out. Oh, so that was, yeah, so around December of 2016 is when we started, and now, uh, yeah, it's we're still going strong. We're at like 157 or 158 uh, episodes in, and uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's a fun journey and getting to meet cool people like you along the way. So, um, yeah, uh, and then, of course, I can't have enough podcasts, so I been toying around with the idea my son trent is seven now and so he's from birth his first word was boba so it's kind of appropriate (laughs) so um it's very appropriate for tonight's uh uh episode but yeah so i have i have three children um and i've been married uh for 18 years my beautiful wife jen and she kind of puts up with my attitude but my my older son jordan he kind of went through he was able to kind of go through the prequels, and so we are able to do mm-hmm. Celebration 2 and 3 together, which is, was a lot of fun. Nice. And now I'm getting to experience it with the new trilogy with my my son and daughter. And so Trent and Ellie, Trent is seven, Ellie is four. And so, um, yeah, we just love talking about Star Wars. So I'm like, hey, maybe we should do, like, a little Star Wars podcast. And that's kind of where Big T and Little T came from. Mm-hmm. Um because we both have the same initials, mine is TRH, and he is TRH as well. Um, and so that's kind of where the origin of that. Um, and part of that was playing a lot of Lego, and Traveler's Tales um, logo is a big T and a little T. Yes. And that's kind of where the idea came from. And so Charles is so kind enough to help me with a logo and... The rest is history. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun. So we're we're with the big T, little T. We're just kind of doing kind of Disney Plus stuff. Um, so it, it's been a lot of fun, and can't wait to dive into Clone Wars. So, oh yeah, that's, very cool. That's, that's a great. That's series. a spiel. That's a spiel right there. That's an awesome spiel. That's very good. And the the kids are cute, and the it's such great you know to hear even the way you close your uh, show with the. Um, the mind of the child, you know, uh, it's a wonderful yeah. way to, to end that. And, uh, and we're forever thankful for you and the whole WSTR crew for having us on, you know, really early in our, in our run mm-hmm. and, uh, for, you know, for helping us out there, but also just exposing us to a lot more people and, and seeing just how supportive the community is. And it's been a wonderful, really wonderful, ex, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, exploration for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, I like I said the other day, I'm like so bummed we didn't get to meet at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, that's like, yeah. that's it's like a huge miss. <laughs> yeah, huge. Yeah, 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 it is. It's uh, it's, <laughs> it's a huge miss. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate, but I, I'm glad we kind of met or, organically, anyways. And uh, yeah, happy to help out other podcasts. Happy to be in this community together. So, I'm, and I'm grateful that we get to talk. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So tonight's topic, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. And, um, you know. I think, actually, I think we're out of time. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And closed. Just kidding. (laughs) Oh, that's great. No, I, I, I joke. I, 
my stance on boba is, is quite different than Todd's, I'm sure. Um, so growing up, I um, through the early 90s, they had all of the Power of the Force figure yeah. toys and ships and everything. And I had, like, all of them. Pretty much. Okay. Okay. And I knew, right. like, I, I knew, you know, as, as soon as I saved up $5.05, that was enough for one with tax. So, and I would go to the store and, and find one I didn't have and just collect. So, my brother, for his birthday, I was like, what do you want for your birthday? And he's like, I don't know. And he's, you know, he's older than me and all this. And, um, so I guess he wanted, um, the Slave One. Oh. Ship. Wow. And I was like... All right, I mean that's cool, but what about like the Falcon or something cool? Right. Like that has like a cool character or something. Right, right, I, right, yeah. I didn't understand like his his one thing that he wanted, you know, Star Wars related was, was. Boba Fett. Okay. And I just I, I just didn't understand it. Right. I guess I guess he was like early on the curve of the of the Boba hype. Right. Right. Okay. And I just was. Very puzzled okay. by his <laughs> love of this character that like had three lines and punked out in Jedi. Right. So I was like, okay. And then of course, you know, being Star Wars, and I, mean, I was like, Mom, we gotta get him Slave One because it's Star Wars. Because it's Star it's Wars. Yeah. This is a win. It's still Star Wars. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, it just kind of stemmed from just a confusion as to why people, um. Like him, right? And so it's much. with uh, with other options available, and you right. know, and from right. my perspective, um, I was a big, you know, Hoth was the big the big draw for me because, of course, like I said before, was Empire Strikes Back was he wasn't my in Hoth. no, exactly. No. So yeah. you know, for me, it was Empire Strikes Back was my first exposure, and of course, he was in that. But mm-hmm. um, the uh, you know the I used to have the at at you know the mm-hmm. and I had the 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 toy and I had. The snow speeder, and I had yeah. all of the things surrounding. That was my big get was the was the hoth um, the hoth scenes, and I really enjoyed those. I don't know if it was because I grew up in Canada. And I was going to say, it reminded you of Canada. So. <laughs> I was like, Mom, we just take it outside. And it's all set. <laughs> One day I'm gonna I'm gonna spend money on these things and set up great photos. I tell you, um, <laughs> but uh, the and. I, for me, you know, Boba Fett never really just hit my radar as a character that I was ever really following. And I, you know, through Power of the Force in the early 90s, I wasn't into the Star Wars at that point. It was the dark times. I wasn't oh. reading And I wasn't uh, reading books. Um, and, you know, I was in college at that point because uh, I'm old. And you got into, like, Trek and stuff. Yes, and I absolutely. Like. Next generation. <laughs> I mean, Trek is fine, but... <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, and so when the, the prequels came about, again, seeing the origin story was, to a certain degree, fascinating. You mm-hmm. know, like, But, again, right. it was never really about um, Boba Fett as a character, mm-hmm. and just it was never, it was never my wheelhouse as a, as a character that I really enjoyed. And now we get to the right answer, which is Todd's. Yes! <laughs> In your opinion, I know that you've um, you've you've mentioned it, but in your opinion, what what kind of makes him the guy? You know, um, I think it's the same appeal that you see in the Mandalorian is that you got the faceless man, right? The faceless that, trooper, right? That is the answer. 
<laughs> so that's the answer. So, um, well, that was a great episode. Thanks for stopping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, Charles, I'm with you. I think we're around the same age. Like the hot thing, like I would, we would build snow forts at the cul-de-sac and pretend it's Echo Base and yes, we're, yes. yeah. The, yeah, the sleds were, you know, uh, the snow speeders and, yeah. Yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that was my childhood too. I didn't live in Canada, but you know, um, <laughs> it's, it's snowed in Chicago every once yeah. in a while. So yeah, that, that was definitely, uh, growing up and, you know, pretending there's a pure probe droid looking for Chewie and us and all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> but like for Boba Fett for me was kind of that, sandbox kind of you know playing with the action figures in the sandbox and just like he's the man he's got a rocket pack he's got you know uh you know a rocket literally that didn't fire but you know whatever um you know he's got wrist rockets and he's just got all those kind of cool things and you know but it it kind of goes back to that just like faceless he was cooler than a stormtrooper, you know. He's like the oh, the yeah. cool guy, you know. And uh I think that's kind of the appeal, or at least for me, that was the appeal. And I really felt too, like from a visual st- storytelling point. I mean, his armor spoke like, dude, this guy's banged up, and just like the ships, he's all banged up and got a. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a, a complete paint job. It's all chipped and layered, and he's got Wookie braid hair. I'm like, dude, I. I would, I need to know a little bit more about this guy. And I think that's, that's kind of where that set in for me. Obviously didn't like, I, to this day, I don't like Return of the Jedi because of, uh, <laughs> he getting punked. He gets punked <laughs> out because literally, uh, in some of the behind the scenes stuff, it's like George is like, I don't know what to do with them. Just throw them in the pit. And it's just like, <laughs> that's, that's a story. Development, George. So, but anyways, you know, he lives in my heart. He lives in my heart, you know. <laughs> We've sort of got our cards on the table with Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about Django. Mm. And, you know, obviously as a – we met Boba Fett in Empire, but um, as the, the – chronologically speaking, his origin story got a lot more interesting, we can certainly say, uh, through the prequels. Yeah. And, uh, and, of course, that starts with Django Fett. And um, we all know the story, of course. Um, Django Fett was uh, was a well-respected and feared bounty hunter, and uh, he worked with the uh, the cloners, mm. and he became the template for uh, the clone army. For the clones, yes, right. The clone army. The clone army. <laughs> and uh, and of course, uh, of which Boba was an unaltered clone, so he was. Probably the first and unprogrammed, uh, or, or you know, no programmed, uh, whatever. I don't, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, he unaltered, was not, I guess. Yeah, because they, they unaltered. Yeah, he's not accelerated, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He knows what he's talking about. Right. I don't. What are we doing here? <laughs> I don't know. We got the talent here this on our screen. This is the Todd show. You'll <laughs> you'll get the right stuff. Yeah. <laughs> not us. So. So yeah, so there we go. So that's obviously like the origin story of where Boba Fett came from. But what's your take on uh, on Django and uh, where he fits into the story? I think it's it's kind of cool that you know because uh, way back you know it's like okay thinking about the Clone Wars when we didn't know what that was in A New Hope you know um, it's you kind of had a feeling that maybe the Mandalorians were like these super 
troopers in a sense. And like, there was a whole army of them. And so it kind of plays like that where he's the genome, you know, he's the, 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 the origin of the clone troopers. And I, I find that kind of fascinating. Um, I mean, I didn't mind, you know, in attack clones, I didn't mind that Boba Fett was a clone. I mean, that, I think that's, but I, I think that adds a little dynamic to it. And, um, you know, again, it's about family. Star Wars is about family. And the, I think one of the coolest moments of Attack of Clones is like, you know, like him fighting after, they're fighting after Obi-Wan and he's like, get him, dad, get him. You're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they have that kind of father son thing, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's kind of cool, um, to see that. And then you understand also why Boba went that route when like Mace takes out Django, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. He kind of saw it firsthand, like the Jedi are not, you know, are not friendly, you know, right. in a way. And so, yeah, it's unfortunately, uh, yeah, yeah. Tell that to, to, to Boba, you know, it's like, mm, I have a helmet without a head in it, so there you go. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think too, which has been fascinating is that his, his story gets further fleshed out in the Clone Wars. And so, yeah, you could see that. He wasn't really mixing with the right people, um, which is very different from what we see from the Mandalorian where he's built into that culture and, you know, he's a foundling, you know, that kind of thing where Boba is like an orphan and he's, you know, basically hanging out with Aurora Singh and Bosk and, you know, a couple shady characters and that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not really a strong father figure, even though he only had a short time with Django. You know, so you can kind of see where it's you know kind of a different path, and you honestly see, obviously with Mandalorian, he, even though he's tough, he's showing that he has heart with uh, right. you know Baby Yoda, everyone's little mm-hmm. chicken nugget. So, <laughs> and so what's uh, what's your take, Pat, on uh, on Django and like his um. origin, like where he came from, and uh, you know, at first I um I thought it was kind of shoehorned in just because people liked Boba and now that his father is the thing uh, is the template and all for mm-hmm. clones. Um, but as they fleshed it out, it seemed to um uh not that not that I wish that they didn't do that mm-hmm. because it's it's it's. It's not like a cop out or anything like that. Right. It's just um, like a a part of the story, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't think um, I think they could have used any unknown character to do it. But the fact that they used Boba Fett's, you know, father essentially, mm. um, yeah. I thought it was kind of cool that they could integrate him more into the story. You know, with him not having much screen time in the films and then blowing up in Legends and just being like, you know, you escaped the Sarlacc. He's like, pew, pew. <laughs> um, right, yeah. and, you know, and everyone, like, being gung-ho about Boba, at, you know, after the film releases and all, mm. to kind of bring that back around and reinforce that association with Star Wars through Django. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And see... Yeah. What I see, you know, uh, and I agree with Todd in the sense that the, you know, here we have Django, who was 
you know, whether or not it was a heart, but, you know, he wanted an unaltered clone for him to raise as his son or as, as his child, as it were. Sure. So uh, he took him on his wing and, you know, under his wing, sorry. And as a bounty hunter, you're obviously going to be exposed to the underworld and probably not the greatest of experiences. But as a guiding light, you know, you can still potentially have that um, so that righteousness or the um, the ability to you know right from wrong and everything, but still working within the um, the confines of right and wrong, I guess. Right. But of course, when he gets uh, when he gets uh, beheaded, unfortunately, by um, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, by Mace, um, you know he's now orphaned, and right. we don't see him again uh, until yeah. Clone Wars, and. And I agree that his his arc in the Clone Wars gives a lot more background depth as to where he how he became what he became, and you sort of like or sing and yeah, and you kind of see you know as growing up as an orphan, hanging around this this gang of of you know misfits and and ne'er do wells. <laughs> Ooh, nice one! Yes. Wow. <laughs> Big word, big that, word. I had to think of that one ahead of time. Yeah. Um, You're sweating. You know, he's. I, I am. <laughs> I think I'm about to pass out. Um, but you know, the fact that he's uh, he's kind of being molded in his teenage years by these influences, mm. um, it makes sense that he would continue that life of of kind of sketchiness. Yeah. And. Um, and ruthlessness. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. the whole the yeah. whole idea of him, uh, you know, chasing down the Falcon and and you know, essentially taking Han to to take him as a bounty to Jabba and all. It's yeah. um, it's fleshed out more when you see his past. Right. Right. And you yeah. Can see that kind of unfold on screen. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. I think the prequels kind of. St- Somewhat strengthened it, uh, or it's like okay, but I feel I feel like really the Clone Wars really cemented in and just like okay, he's not he doesn't have that father figure, and because he doesn't, he's very calculated. He's he knows what he needs to do based on other bounty hunters he's hanging out with, and uh, that's you know again the one of the most intriguing things is like all right, you got five bounty hunters up there, but he, Vader's the only one that points at him is like no disintegration. They're like. Okay, who's he disintegrating, and <laughs> what's happening here? Um, I found it interesting that the first time we see Boba Fett in uh, the Clone Wars, uh, when he's infiltrated the uh, the he's youth brigade, yeah, like youth brigade, and they're on the uh, one of the um, Republic ships, and he calls himself Lucky, of course, and um, immediately within. You know, 30 seconds of the, the the students breaking out into sort of single file, they're immediately picking on him. Mm-hmm. And you also then see so you see this sort of battered youth of where it lends itself to where he became, you know, and uh, and having that nasty streak and maybe like like you said, you know, leading into that uh, disintegration uh, tendencies. Like you know what? Yeah. I'm just gonna take him out. None of this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got the bounty. I'll I'll take the cheaper route of uh, dead or alive. You know mm-hmm. uh, that that mean streak um, was unfortunately cultivated from a very young age, and mm-hmm. you sort of forgive part of the uh, of where he came from. Uh, but like you said, it's how 
important the Clone Wars became to fleshing out his character and a whole bunch of other characters as well, but especially... Well, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, you get a little bit more character growth there, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of development for the most... Yeah, I, I again, yeah, I just, unfortunately, you know, you, Re- Empire is very serious, and I feel like Return of Jedi... It's just campy. It's too campy. You know, like, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, it's just like, you know, he gets punked out by a pole on a jetpack. I mean, it's just, it's... By a blind dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you by know, a blind dude. And, you know, I think we can agree. He's shaking his yeah. head. And I think even <laughs> from the two different sides of the perspective of the character, we can find that common ground certainly on the way that he was disposed of or what we think disposed of in the sense that, okay, from Todd's perspective, I'm speaking for you, but I'm pretty sure that you think it was like a, a an unfortunate and quick end to a, a beloved character and right, un, you know, right. un, very unceremonious. <laughs> and from our side where it's, you know, somewhat comical, but <laughs> it's still a sort of a questionable death anyways. Like yeah. for a character that yeah. was that right. had that sort of mystique about him. It's like, really? That's the way you do it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, okay. Well, and, and that's, you know, again, like, uh, for a while in the dark times, that's why I like the EU because there's yeah. a couple great books by Karen Travis and, uh, kind of flushes out, like, he's aging and decrepit because he's a clone, um, and he's trying to find, he's trying to find Caminos, uh, still around, cloners that are still around because he's trying to get to the genome to figure out how he can stop this like kind of accelerated aging, you know, cause his body's deteriorating before he's not, you know, he's only like 50 or 60 and his body's already deteriorating and he's trying to figure out a way to, to stop that, you know, and, and he becomes, he takes, takes the helm of Mandalore. He rules Mandalore, which, you know, is a lot different than what we see, you know, uh, in the Clone Wars. But um, yeah, it's, it's super fascinating. That kind of kept me going, got the creative juices, and, you know, he survived the Starlight Pit and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the mm-hmm. verdict technically in the new canon is, I don't know, you yeah. know, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're there's some get... armor, you know, there's some armor and whatever, you know. So. Right. So we're going to get to that in a second, the armor right. and how okay. that fits what into a, it. What a great segue. So we ran a Twitter poll. We asked a question uh, last Saturday, and the question was, what's your favorite Mandalorian armor color scheme? So we specifically wrote it this way to remove the association to a character in specific. We just talked about color scheme, right? So we know what Jango Fett's uh, armor looked like. We know what Boba Fett's armor looked like. And uh, so we had four options, uh, first one being first appearance din, meaning like the colored, you know, the non-Beskar. Uh, and then the second option was the Beskar armor. Third option was Boba Fett. And then the other option was like, you know, uh, fill in other, fill in, fill in the blank. Other, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, right. So this thing, which was for us, this massive response was two, 288 votes. And um, it was Dude, pretty, that blew up. Yeah, that did. It really blew up. And um, the first thing, obviously, just of the poll itself, uh, the, the Beskar armor... Uh, took the took the poll by 50%. In second was uh, Boba Fett, and uh, tied uh, for third and fourth was the first appearance Din, and then other. 
And it was sort of that was the first fascinating thing that even Pat and I thought about is like, okay, well the Beskar has no color, so it's just really, you know, a shiny, shiny, yeah, and very impressive looking and made of Beskar and expensive, so that's cool. Yeah. But the other part that was interesting, and Pat can talk to this, was about all of the sub responses, which were crazy. Yes. Um, my choice, if I was on the Twitters, would be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Would be Sabine Wren, right? Because I love Sabine. Yeah, I love her um, her artistic creativity, and every season of Rebels, she's got like a some different tweaks to her armor, you know, based on um, you know like a, a Convor and and um, and Loth Wolf and stuff like that that she just kind of adds to it when she gets tired of the same old armor and she just paints it up. It's like she's She's cool, and it's always kind of evolving uh, based on her creativity, which I think is really cool. And it was difficult when I was trying to make Emily's um, Sabine what? outfit because yeah. I'm like, which one do I choose? <laughs> Somebody <laughs> else. One, two, 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 three. <laughs> right, right. So, um, so I mean, I, I, I'm fascinated with with her evolving armor. Um, so I would have picked Sabine, but there are like the um, John Favreau's character from right. The Mandalorian is in there, the armorer from The Mandalorian, some really cool Legends stuff from Mandalorian, yeah. um, um, Expanded Universe material and all. Death Watch, Mandalorian. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. went really deep on their, their uh, yeah. on, which was really cool. And, you know, the it. so while, you know, Boba Fett didn't sort of um, – appear i guess or you know sort of steal the show the and pat and i said this many times is that without boba fett we there wouldn't be the mandalorian there wouldn't be um uh well there probably would be the mandalore like the planet perhaps but maybe not i mean who knows i don't think so yeah i don't think so okay so there you go i think a lot of the mystique surrounding the character spawned all of these stories right so if uh, if we're gonna carry on, we're gonna carry forward then the metaphor then so all the Mandalorian lore after Boba Fett is a clone of him then I guess right oh no yeah. oh. <laughs> so giving him the due respect yeah. of where we are today with the yeah. the, the depth of where you know Mandalore with the Mandalorian being everything. so popular yeah. and, and you know, again, Sabine being a rich character in that, the whole storyline in yeah. Clone Wars with Boba, all that stuff stemmed from yeah. him yeah. in the holidays. Well, yeah, and I think, too, like, even from a cosplay perspective, like the Mandal Mercs, like, everyone is different, and each one has their own origin story and all customizable, and that's part of the beauty of the Mandalorian culture. It's part of you, and I think that kind of speaks volumes, you know, to the character. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to uh, continue talking about Boba and then get into um, his ESB appearance and sort of uh, de- delve deep into that and into Return of the Jedi, much to uh, Todd's chagrin. Yeah, Todd's not yeah, happy about uh, that. No, but we'll, uh, we'll get into that in a, in a, right after this break. Has the Empire seized your moisture farm? Has the Empire reprogrammed your droids without your knowledge? Has the Empire taken your speeder? Well, you're in luck. I'm Mondo Onaka of Onaka and Melch, attorneys at law. We'll get what you deserve from the Empire. 
and you'll get something too. All right, and we're back. <laughs> oh, that was refreshing. Wasn't that amazing? I mean, uh, thanks to our sponsors once again. Um, I we still haven't received the check yet, but uh, they tell me it's in the mail. Yeah, it's in the mail. Yeah. You told me it's in the mail. Yeah, well, they told me it's in the mail. Oh. I told you it was in the mail? Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. So there we go. So <laughs> so just before the break, we were talking about, um, well, we talked about the Twitter poll, of course. It's not that long ago, so I hope right. everyone remembers what we talked about 30 <laughs> seconds ago. But um, uh, what would be your take? So as we talk about the Twitter poll, Todd, and how that sort of broke down, I mean, what do you? Th- how do you see that as a perspective from, you know, from the Mandalorian top down into – much of the response coming into all those individual sort of wants and, and needs and likes of, of the, the Mandalorian armor. Well, yeah, I mean, I think part of the mystique of the Mandalorian is that, you know, we see that the armor is poured into him and he, you know, you, you're seeing that upgrade feature, you know, which is kind of great. And, um, you know, and then obviously you have the forger. Um, she's mm-hmm. amazing, you know, and I feel like, the storytelling of him, um, you know, getting the back scra- the background of the Clone Wars as well, as well, kind of in her forging the armor, it's like a dual thing. It's like forging his identity, but also forging uh-huh. his armor, you know, and it's kind of a, it's kind of that cool Star Wars thing going on. And, um, you know, by the end of the season, you get to see the full picture of what happened to him, particularly. But also you understand that the armor is there's a mystique to it in a you know they you know like grief is like they all hate you Mando you know like yeah you know, and it's almost like it's a ceremony the uh, forging of the armor yeah. is a, it's, it's, a, a, it's a rite of it's a rite of passage yeah I mean um, again even when the chips are down and the the Mandos are sl- uh, slaughtered in that. I don't know, enclave or whatever you want to call it. Um, she still wants to respect that armor and melt it down to make more parts. You know, it's part of that. It's like they all feed, it's all feed into this machine. It's very ritualistic. And I think that's fascinating. And, you know, obviously, you know, they're dropping things just like they did in Star Wars where it's like, okay, I want to know about the purge or the night of the thousand tears. Like, uh-huh. what is this about? You know, like, those are things that's that's great kind of storytelling, and if you follow some of the old Republic stuff, I mean, um, you know, the Mandos and the Sith and the Jedi all fought, and mm-hmm. Mandos were, you know, so there's a lot of things that they could dive into um, if they go through the High Republic or whatever the next story element is. Mm-hmm. Um, Mandos are not going away because they're a very strong culture, and almost like. In a sense, they're that gray area where they're super elite soldiers, but understand both the, you know, they understand the culture of the Sith and the Jedi. And, you know, I mean, Boba Fett lassoed Luke in Return of the Jedi. So, you know, they understand, they understand the weapons. And again, the, the other thing about the armors that Beskar, the reason why it's so precious is that it can stop lightsabers. So. That's one of the other things. Uh-huh. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, man, I swear I'm always constantly educated in these podcasts, I swear. <laughs> but that's fascinating. It's, like it's like you're getting smarter every time you listen to a podcast, you know. Yes. Yeah, see? Perfect. Exactly. I could use a lot more, apparently. <laughs> like, 
I don't have to read. I just have to listen to another podcast, and then I get smarter. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's something something very um, mysterious about them, the Mandalorians, as a group, as a people, and it's fascinating because you know you've got these different clans in the times of Rebels, and and then you've got you know Death Watch and everything. And then you see in the Mandalorian, not to get off topic right, well, with well, the Mandalorian, <laughs> but then you see like this this clan that he's a part of that has their own distinct beliefs and and rules and things, and it just makes you think like, oh, you know, what are the different uh, cultures in Mandalorian groups like? And it makes you want to see more. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think I think part of it too, like you know, all through Clone Wars, everyone's taking off their helmets. You see their faces, mm-hmm. you know. And obviously, with Mandalorian, you're like, oh, he's not supposed to take off his mask ever. And so maybe that's part of what happened with the purge. And now they say we have to be one and united, and we can't show our face. You know, mm-hmm. we can't show our identity. You know, um, and 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 there's a mis- a mistake about that, you know, and that's that going back to my earlier point, I think that's part of the allure of what Boba Fett is. It's like, who is this guy? What is he doing? And, you know, I can't see his face. So it's kind of very interesting, you know. No, I totally get it. And I agree with you, by the way, with the I think that the, the, the mask coming on, I think it's a protectionism. I think it's, you know, uh, keeping the society close knit, especially after the yep. hurt until we find that yep. out. You know, it makes a lot of yep. sense. Mm-hmm. So when we first see uh you know, sort of next see because we've gone through chronologically through the Clone Wars, we see Boba Fett now as a full, fully grown adult and on the uh, the deck of the uh, Star Destroyer. And well, are we talking special editions because he breaks the fourth wall to give you the little nod at New Hope? Oh yes, that's <laughs> true. Oh, the Jabba scene. Oh yes, we'll uh, we'll skip that one. We'll skip that one. I hate <laughs> the Jabba scene. Wait, worse. Worse than Greedo, worse than Greedo and Han? Yes, yes. Wow. And I will tell you. Wow. Whoa. Okay, this is interesting. Oh, okay. Why? You get um, fired up here. You get fired up. Yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, this is. It's about to. It's about to get real. So. <laughs> so you know, when we first see Han in Mos Eisley, he's talking to Chewie. He's like, "I just could really get job off my back and all this." And you're like, "Oh, you know, I guess." He's got some history with some dude that, like, he owes money to and all this. And then Empire, he's about to leave Echo Base, and he's like, look, it's not easy to live with a price on your head, kid, and all this. And you're like, okay, so something's going on with this Jabba character. Right. And it's this whole air of mystery. Okay. Yeah. So they shot the scene with human Jabba. Yes. (laughs) Human Jabba. (laughs) With a fur coat. Yes. Right. Yeah, he ran like a mink. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, very menacing. Oh, yeah, I know, right? So they shoot the scene, and then, of course, when Jabba turns out to be a slug, they're, you know, they they digitally remove the guy and put in, like, a young slug Jabba that's, like, initially very poorly animated. Like, I think I could have done a better job. That was Um, was 1997, man. It took it probably took him like four days to render one Jabba slide, you know. Exactly. But we can say that that was after um, uh, Jurassic Park. Yes, and they and, made dinosaurs real. Yeah, Jurassic Park so, is still holding up today. But anyways, right. So, 
It should get Spielberg. Um, so then it just doesn't make sense. Like you got Greedo in the cantina. Yeah. He's like, I'm taking you to Java. When Java could just wait it outside the cantina and be like, Han my boogie. Han my boy. Han my boy. There, he should have just got him. Yeah. Like, and then he's like, oh, you fried poor Greedo. Like, that's when you take him in yeah. and be like, this guy has no plan to pay us back. Which, I mean, he really didn't until no. push- Oh. Yeah. So it's like he keeps, you know, and don't worry about that payment. Don't yeah, worry don't about, worry about don't it. Don't worry about all that drop spice. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it just, it's so irritating to me okay. that they put that in. And not only that, but then. Hey, we're talking about Boba Fett, man. So. <laughs> right off the bat, you're like, oh, that's, that's, that's Java. Okay. So now I know he's talking about this weird slug dude. And his friend Boba Fett that's in the hangar. Right. Talking about. Well, he wasn't uh, wasn't kidding when he was gonna go off. <laughs> well, well, and don't forget, there's a, like another Greedo guy that looks exactly like Greedo, another Rodidian in the background. That's <laughs> was it a uniform? <laughs> just and no, that's and that's why that is that is the main reason why we it was so important that we got the ungeorged editions. Digitally. Yes, yes, yes. The main, yes, <laughs> one of the main for you. Yeah, we have, uh, we got digital copies. We did a HS digital transfer of the, uh, widescreen, uh, special editions, uh, prior to the, uh, the spe- well, sorry, not special editions, the pre, the, the last. Yeah, the ungeorged. Uh, the ungeorged editions, yes. Yes. So, um, so now, so. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> back, back. But I digress on that one. <laughs> Um, Where were you, Todd? You were supposed to rein me in. <laughs> well, no, I let you go. I let you go. For, it was like a filibuster there. <laughs> he did all the heavy lifting last episode. Yes, he's sitting back now. Yeah, you don't run into a tornado when the tornado is coming towards you. <laughs> so, so we see Boba Fett um, on the deck of the Star Destroyer, as I said before. And so you see these like this ragtag crew of like mean looking. Characters for sure, and like IG88 and Bosk yeah. and uh, Dengar, Dengar, and you and see Zuckus and Zuckus and yeah. Forlom. Forlom. I yeah. think that's it. Yeah, that's it. And Boba Fett. And so you see them all, like, and you even see the crew of, of the Star Destroyer, right? And like, sort of very cautiously looking at them. But the fact that Vader only spoke to Boba Fett yeah. immediately placed him as the key character. It's like, well, oh, it- yeah, it sets them apart from the other bounty yeah. hunters, and it also says that wait, they had a relationship before, like they worked before, like the emperor, the empire is working with these kind of scum and villainy, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, oh, Boba Fett and him have some history, you know. My my take on it, and it's it's a hot theory, but you know, it's like uh, Vader called up one eight hundred Boba Fett and. <laughs> He's he's the one he's the one that um, took out Amperu and Uncle Owen. Ah, yes, uh, there is that. That's theory. that's that's wow. the disintegration theory, but okay. yeah, wow. I like I kind of like that theory because the stormtroopers weren't getting it done, and he's got some hot leads, and why not call in a Boba, a Boba Fett to do the dirty work, you know? Right. So. right. Yeah. Take out some heavily armored uh, farmers. Oh, <laughs> yeah. moisture farmers at that. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, oh, no. Yeah. So then we get, uh, of course, we see um, 
uh, Bulba's. And he's smart. You said something about him learning from his father with Obi-Wan in the um, that's asteroid. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's what true. What was that? So when he's with, when they're chasing. All I remember is the cliff notes. So yeah, yeah well. Listen. Okay. <laughs> 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 break. He's still coming down from the, uh, from the, uh, and the hangar. Uh, so I was mentioning at one point in one of the other shows where, um, when Boba Fett's with, uh, Django and they're chasing, um, uh, uh, Obi-Wan. And Let me help you out there. Yeah, thank you. And the asteroid, the asteroid field. field. Right. <laughs> you sure you don't want to finish this? No, you're like, no, 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 go ahead. <laughs> and, and then Obi-Wan, hi. No, no. <laughs> this is why I hate flying. See? He gets it. Yes, he does get it. Why don't you get it? Yeah, because I keep getting cut off for some reason. <laughs> okay, here's your chance. Here's your chance. So, so he's in the asteroid. <laughs> And they think he's dead, but he's not. So Boba Fett, as a young, impressionable child at that point, sees that tactic that not everything is as it seems. So remembering that gives him the forethought to think that the Millennium Falcon just didn't um, uh, yeet out of here. Um, he's got something else to eat. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm feeling young, and uh, and uh, and he. He, the slave one is in the uh, in the trash. <laughs> Listen, kid, it may look like a hunk of junk, but it goes past this trashy. So as soon as he they release the mags off of the uh, star destroyer and they take off, there's Boba Fett, almost as if he's hiding in the asteroid field, knowing, right. learning. Remember what he learned from a long time ago on Obi Wan. Yes. Yes. Well, and it also shows that not only Han knows superior regulations, but Boba Fett knows the protocols as well. And just like, hey, I got yeah. this too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. very cool. Yeah, so he's got, yeah. He's got some smarts there. Mm-hmm. Well, and it shows. It also means that it's possibly not, you know, because he he says in the beginning of the Empire, Han's like, well, that bounty hunter that I ran ran into Ordmont in Ordmontel. Oh, yeah, yeah it, you think it might be Boba Fett. It, Probably isn't some. I think it's some weird thing in the comics. I'm not sure, but, um, um, but yeah, it just shows that possibly too. Not only does Vader and Boba Fett have history, it's like Han Solo and Boba might have some mm-hmm. history yeah. too. So, mm-hmm. and so from there they go to Bespin. Right. They go to the Cloud City. Right. Yes. The city in the clouds. The city in the clouds. Yes. And yeah. Maya clearly. Belongs down there. <laughs> the Lando episode was a good one. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he obviously follows them there and, and clues them in, and clues the Empire in that this is where they went. And, and you know, obviously they use that whole scenario as a trap to, to trap Luke. Right. And uh, it works. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it Kinda. is. Yeah, I mean, it gets in there. He gets yeah. there. Mission accomplished. Uh, I don't yeah. know. He's looking for some guy called Luke Skywalker. Skywalker or something. I don't know. Um, so, but uh, then to have um, Jeremy Bullock mm. in the in that scene where Leia's being taken to the ship. Yes, that's right. He's he's as an officer. Little, yeah. His little hat on. And, yeah. 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 I mean, that was pretty cool. Yes, that was very cool. Yes. I knew that one. I knew that one. You didn't know that one. Yes. 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 But um, so you did get to see Jeremy's face, which is kind of cool because you don't otherwise. Right. 
But you know, uh, you know he's in episode one too, right? He is. Yeah. Yes, yeah, we totally knew that. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a he's he's a pilot and or no, is it Revenge of Sith? What? He's a pilot. No, yes. it's Revenge of Sith. He's a pilot uh, with Bale. He's a pilot with Bale. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. That is so. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is cool. Wow. Is that like an uncredited, like just like a cameo sort of thing? Uh, I don't know if he's credited or not, but I mean, he's the one of the two pilots in the Corvette. Uh, you know, like when when they come back to, to for the ruling, and you know, uh, when the emperor's like going to make his oh, grand yeah. entrance. Yeah, he's like that was he was the pilot. So. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That is cool. But it, yeah, it's it's also kind of funny too. Like Jeremy Bullock was sick uh, one day, and Dak, who played the guy that played Dak, uh, is actually dressed up in one of the best scenes, which is when Han is getting tortured, and they they both Lando and Boba Fett look at each other and that kind of thing, and Vader comes out, you know? Yeah, like, he's no good to be dead. That's not Jeremy Bullock. That's Dak. What? Wow. Dak. Oh, Dak felt like he could take on the whole empire. Back. <laughs> right. He could take on the I whole know. <laughs> I know. He also got to play Boba Fett, so there you go. You know. So, uh-huh. like, one of those pivotal scenes, then, wasn't even Jeremy Bullock. <laughs> it wasn't even Jeremy Bullock. Wow. That's fascinating. Oh, really fun. cool. Isn't that but, awesome? Yeah. But, like, That's... if you think about, if you time all of the on-screen part of what. Oh, was, yeah. And but I mean pivotal scenes in the sense that you know he's like crucial to the story. Absolutely, yes, crucial yeah. to the story. So you still have that uh, him carrying, you know, moving the story forward, and you still have the whole look and everything, and the fact that Vader's obviously, like you said, Todd, very comfortable with him in the previous relationship, and you know, and no disintegrations, and you know. As the action is happening around him, even down to when you know he's lifting the, uh, sorry, uh, uh, you know, uh, following um, uh, carbonite. carbonite Han mm-hmm. uh, to ship, you know, and all the stuff going all around it, um, absolutely pivotal stuff. And you can sort of see where, even though screen time may not add up to you know the the what you would expect for a main character. At every important scene, he's sitting there, and that sort of again leads to his uh, his popularity. Yeah, I mean, he's I he's less than seven minutes. He's got less than thirty words. I mean, less than thirty words. words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. Uh, but now we have now in 2020, we have a show about his whole culture. Right. Even though. Bofet technically might not be Mandalore or whatever. The the armor itself speaks volumes, and that's where we we are today. You know, right? Ma- right. Mandalore Mandalorian and Baby Yoda are like everyday words now in the culture, and it's like, okay, this is weird. That is weird. I mean, and it's like yeah, you know, it's like it's just like like anything else in Star Wars, like. Ewok is never spoken in Star Wars, but everyone knows what the Ewok is. Mandalorian is technically not spoken in any Star Wars film. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and and yet we know what it it is today, you know. Mm. So it's yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. 
It is great. Yeah, it is great. Yeah. yeah. So the next time we see Boba Fett is in uh, Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Time Return. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Let's not go there. So are we? Are we? Which? 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 Toss back out. He's breaking up. There's more static. Oh no. <laughs> the hollow net is failing. I'm sorry. I break it up. Oh, we're still on. Oh, what's, oh, what's, what's, that was my outside voice. <laughs> so are we doing Return of the Jedi Special Edition or Return of the Jedi Regular? Which one would you like yes. to do, Todd? You are our guest. What would you like to do? I think I, th- I just think it's funny with special edition is that, uh, of course, it's not Jeremy Bullock that plays the the new parts. It's some production assistant <laughs> with some nerd glasses, and he's flirting with these dancers. And I think it's yes, it's that's so we'll skip that one. Yeah, yeah, we'll skip that one. So. Yeah. We get a little, we get a little nod after, you know, uh, the thermodetonator thing and he almost blows up, you know, the other bounty hunter Bosch almost blows up the whole thing and Boba Fett gives him a little nod. Like, respect, man, you know? What else would you expect? And, yeah, exactly. that, and that one of those first scenes when they come into, uh, uh, with Bosch, you know, and he gives that nod against the, the, the wall. I mean, that talk about spawning a million memes, it is a really cool look for sure, like when he just gives that little nod and uh, you see how, again, the respect amongst bounty hunters and um, and how, to a certain degree, the, the guild, not that the Bosch is part of uh, uh, Bausch or whatever you pronounce it. Bosch. Bosch. Well, no, um, Leia. Bosch. Bosch, yeah. Bosch. Um, yes. And how she, you know, is not part of the guild, but still sort of respected in that sense. Um, so again, he's in those little bit parts within the Jabba's palace, but sort of circling always. He's always keeping. Well, I, it, yeah, I think I think Jabba is basically. I mean, in the special edition, there's Dengar, Bosk, Boba are all there. You know, so it's like he's got these guys in the back pocket and possibly like lining up jobs for him, you know, so... Um, and it, it seems like he pays well. Yes. He's yeah. always having, like, these parties and stuff. Right, right, so, right, right, right. You know, you got this this client of yours that, that pays you good money, and he's always, like, having, like, frog hors d'oeuvres <laughs> around. It's like, all right, I'm going to go chill at his palace. It's a palace. Right. Yeah, it is a palace. It's a palace. Some shack. Right, 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 right. I mean, he's got like a big monster in the basement. I mean, it's cool. It's totally, it's totally normal. Totally cool. Won't step on the grates, obviously. Obviously. That's the rule. It's a rule. Luke wasn't there for rule day. No, he wasn't. (laughs) He's there for appetizers. Um, So, and the unfortunate end is coming close where. He's on the uh, skiff. On the skiff, yes. and uh, we see. For Jabba's sail, Bosch. And uh, you know, we touched upon this bit, bit before, but um, how how about you walk us through, Todd? As as painful as it may be, but <laughs> as a, yeah, but you know, as, as a true fan, because I think our perspective is that, well, he that's pumped way, out, yeah, he pumped and he, out, and, he, and then the Sarlacc burped, and yes, it was like burp, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But okay. how, when you saw that happen, and you explained a little bit before, but like, how 
how'd that affect you and your care, like your love He's for the character? He's still going through therapy. Well, that's just true. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't gotten over it, you know. It's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool. First of all, you know, we get to see kind of like a grappling hook type thing that it gets around Luke, which is kind of cool. Um, we understand that he has a jetpack, and we finally get to see that in Return of the Jedi. Right. The wire work is horrible. The force kick of Luke is fantastic. <laughs> um, what, what can we say? What can we say? You know, um, it, you know, we we get to see Han be blind and lucky at the same time, and say Boba Fett, Boba Fett, and you know, bada bing, bada boom. You know. It's it's bad. It's bad. It's but bad. I, it's bad. And we agree. I mean, it is. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a unfortunate end. It's an unfortunate it's end to a very cool, well designed character. You know, um, but you know, at the same time, it's like, well, what what would he do if he survived? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. It's kind of. The, if you want to, if you want to, you know, I know Pat got a little hot on Jabba. Dude, what, just for five seconds, like, what is Luke's plan for the whole beginning of the movie? Like, he sends all the heroes there. Right? <laughs> it's like one of the worst plans ever to get. <laughs> He's like, look, I got a plan. First, we're going to send Leia and the Wookiee. No, no, no. Lando, Lando. Yeah, Lando. That's right, Lando. Lando is there. Lando takes Han's clothes and is like, hey, man, and I got the Falcon, me and Chewie, going to hit it up, hit some clubs. I love oh, it. like Han. <laughs> I've, had, uh, I've had this bounty hunter looking thing in my in the Falcon for like day one. Yeah. <laughs> As we found out Sing in Solo. Because we're finally going to put it to good use. Right, right, right. Uh, is this, cool? this is a grill in the front. No, it doesn't. Cape <laughs> of course he'd wear a cape. Of course he would. <laughs> this smells like Beckett. Oh man, I miss that guy. Um, so uh, uh, everything goes good with the cape. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, why would Luke spend? <laughs> you don't. So what's what's Lando doing? Like Lando's like, oh Chewie, just take the Falcon back. Bring back Leia in the the Bosch outfit. It'll be great. And then then Luke's like, okay, I'm gonna put the lightsaber R2. Yeah, yeah. Put the lightsaber in R2, but I will be my lightsaber. Here, it's inside R2, so that he can hopefully be on the sail barge when I'm about to make. When he force choked the Gamorrean guard. Like, they didn't check him for weapons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. Saber on his hip. Yeah, well, don't forget, he's wearing his dark, the dark Jedi on So he's, he's, his, uh, he's on he's the path of darkness. Yeah, yeah, well, he's, he's, he's a, yeah. yeah. And Clear, clearly that didn't work out for Anakin, too. He's like, Anakin, you're the only Jedi that wears all black. What's going on? <laughs> Nothing, I'm fine. Let's <laughs> go through my emo stage, you know? <laughs> Just like my grandson. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm really looking up to this Palpatine. <laughs> Seems like a stand-up guy. Yeah. Um, he's very yeah. wise. Very yeah. wise. Yeah, I mean, he's telling me about tragedies and stuff. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it seems like such a... It seems like that should have been, like, plan C or plan D. <laughs> <laughs> like, Luke should have been like, all right, Jabba, here's the deal. Like right, right. And be with the, the transmission. Yeah. And be like, D, 
dude, give me my friend back. <laughs> and then Jabba's like, no, I'm keeping oh, right. in there and be like, ah, zoom, jump, jump. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's all you got to do. You yeah. have to go out in the desert somewhere and, and be digested for a thousand years. No, no. No, yeah, no. That's a good point. That is quite, uh, kind of, no, it drives, drives me crazy. Anyways. It drives me crazy. Jabba scenes drive Todd and I crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Episode six and mine in episode four. Right, so we've got more common ground. This is fantastic. Mm, yes. this is right, right. I for. And, and, dude, and Phantom Menace, like he's falling asleep during the pod race and he's spinning out. Well, it's whatever. That's very true. Right? Yeah. Whatever, whatever. But yeah, I mean, um, couple, like, if I could. <laughs> whatever, whatever. So in 2000, in 2000, there was a, there was a magic myth. And something, it was like a Smithsonian display of Star Wars. And it came yes. from the Field Museum in I Chicago. Went to, you did? In the yeah. Smithsonian? Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it was in Chicago, and at the time it was dating my, at, she was my girlfriend at the time, and I'm like, we gotta go to this thing. We gotta go, you know. And, um, there, so many cool little models and stuff like that, but they had Boba Fett's armor from Empire in a case. And I was like, one foot away, one foot away from it, and I'm just like, I couldn't move. Like, like I wonder if they would notice if this. Was- <laughs> <laughs> right, and I'm just like, I'm just like, it was just so cool to be that close to the costume, you know. Um, and it was just, it was fantastic. Like that, that cemented in my mind, like how cool that character was, and like seeing it up close and all the kind of stuff. I mean. The other thing that's crazy about Boba, I mean, we know about the holiday special, which is interesting, but the other thing too, man, they put him in a parade before in 1978, they put him in a parade in California just to kind of show him off because they knew, they they knew this guy was cool. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. And and so it's just a, it's kind of an interesting thing. Like, you know, he's got an interesting, like, yeah, we're just testing them out. You know, we know about the white armor, which was kind of a prototype, and then they painted it all up. You know, Joe Johnson painted it all up. And, yeah, I mean, it's just cool. And, like, what kind of character you're going to debut at a parade, it's just so it's so interesting. And then they, you know, then technically he makes his full-time debut, you know, in the holiday special. And <laughs> fascinating. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. <laughs> fascinating stuff. And then... Um, I had the opportunity, I think this was like two years ago, I went to Detroit and they had a, a, they had a display of all Star Wars stuff. It was ridiculous. And I'm like, I have to go, I have to go to Detroit. So I went to Detroit. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> road trip, road trip, family vacation, here we go. Um, and so they had, they had Django and Boa Fett again, right next to each other. They did like a little bounty hunter kind of section and, uh, it's just like when you see the armor up close, it's just like it's amazing. It has that kind of mystique as we've been kind of talking through the whole time. It's just it's cool kind of seeing it up close. It's like okay, I get it, I get it. So yeah, that's awesome. That is that's, very cool. Yeah. That's cool. I remember I went to um, I went to the Smithsonian. I think around that time, around two thousand ninety nine, something like that. Yeah, yeah. The hype was around for episode one. Right, yeah. And, and the Smithsonian curated a whole floor of Star Wars stuff. 
Yes. Yeah. And had, like the probe droids had speeder bikes. Nice. Had like the uh, the Chewbacca costume and all. I was like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, can I move in? Yeah, and my, and my mom, because you know, my mom took me, and she is, like, huge into history and, and all that. And um, so she took this as an opportunity to be like, okay, so Smithsonian, we'll do, we'll do his little Star Wars thing or whatever, and then we'll do the rest of Smithsonian. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I like, have to, yeah, I have to look at the Star Destroyer that is only three foot long but feels like six miles i have to look at this for like five hours you know right and that's you know that's the thing is like like when we got there to close yeah it was all star wars yeah and yeah did they did they have the pod race because they had the pod racer there and i was like okay this is pretty cool and um the other thing that they had, which we kind of see in rise of skywalker is they had ralph mccrory stuff like unused concept Uh, art Dude, and they have they have like the Emperor on the throne and the lava and like Vader's castle, and I'm just like, wow. it like blew my mind. Like that, those two things, the Bofet costume and the Ralph McQuarrie like unused art, I was just like blown away. Before we get to segment that we call What the Fuss, Pat asked me tonight. He says, I wonder what Todd thinks about the boot jangles in the Gunslinger episode. Well, obviously, you hear the boot jangles in Empire Strikes Back, where yeah. it's very clear that, you know, um, again, with the Western stereo, you know, the spaghetti Western stereotypes, I mean, he's he's a gunslinger. He's got, in some concept art, he's got the poncho, you know, um, just like Clint. And, yeah, so it's very interesting seeing that. I, I mean, to me, I think it's Cad Bane, but... I, I would be I would be very interested to see if they would bring back Boba. I mean, it, it I don't know if it would do anything, but um, I think it would be kind of cool. But I, you know, the the only time we've heard the jang- the, the the you know the boots jangle is with Boba Fett yes. in Empire Strikes Back. So I had heard. Now this is all legend stuff, but I had heard that the little uh, dent on the helmet there. Was from um, a duel between Boba Fett and Cad Bane. Oh, yes, you can find that if you go to YouTube. You can find that. That's an un that's unproduced Clone Wars episode, and you can watch the wireframes on that. It's somewhat unfinished, but I believe they showed that at a celebration. Dave Filoni, you know, and his genius, oh. like so that was that was unused season seven stuff that they were exploring. And that they basically have a spaghetti western showdown, and that's how he gets the dents. Oh, Cad Bane! Gosh, <laughs> that yeah. is so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, I would. I love Cat too. Oh, Cat is Cat. my favorite. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and Cat, and Cad fills that trend. You know, he's got the duster. He's got the large brim hat. He's yeah. got the. You know the the little uh, not cigarette, but you know like a little toothpick yeah. thing coming out. I mean he's he's got all that kind of stuff oh, yeah. going on. Oh yeah, there's no no need for uh, any hyping for him. He's my he's my boy for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was funny when we we're um, talking about this episode, and I went back and looked at our ungeorged versions of the movies, and the 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 jangling boots. In the original theatrical release, well, at least I know in the widescreen editions of the VHS that we transferred, it is that clear 
there was yes. no adjustment in volume. So that yeah. was a very, very particular sound that they they put in there at that scene where the uh, the Han is hovering. And to play that almost identical sound is yeah. either very misleading or <laughs> um, just fodder for talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they have a plan. So I think I think this will I mean, it's one the the one complaint like Mandalorian, some of the some of the episodes are very distinct and you know, they're very it's like one and done, but that's one of the dangling things they left open that hasn't been huh? answered in season 1. It's like who showed up, you know. Yeah. So yeah. and the fact that like the other thing that Bob Iger kind of said in the, the recent call is like they're looking possible spin-off characters off the Mandalorian to do more TV shows. So if you have, yeah, I mean, Cara Dune to me seems like the easiest choice, like out of what we have right now. But yeah. if, if they introduce something like, yeah, if they introduce like a Cad Bane or, or a Boba Fett or, you know, insert bounty hunter, whatever. I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of possibilities. For yes. Sure. Yeah. A lot of, yeah, jumping because, for sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, all the, uh, the, the whole bounty hunter guild is huge. And I think that would be it's fantastic. Well, I guess it's time for our favorite part. What the force. And, uh, tonight's question is written just for you. And, uh, Oh boy, no pressure. No pressure. We didn't send this to you at all, and uh, I hope you have a calculator because there's a lot of math in it. We want a raw take. <laughs> raw take. So since this is Pat's question, why don't you go ahead and ask that because it was a great one. Oh, yeah. I did this. <laughs> I did something. Um, all right. So we, we all know that some people are adamant that Django and Boba Fett aren't Mandalorians, aren't true Mandalorians. And um, given what we know from the new canon – and the material that Disney has put out and the supplemental sort of uh, comics and things. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a great question. I love it. I mean, it, you know, unfortunately, uh, they already kind of explained this in a comic called Django Fett Open Season, um, which was out in 2003 or whatever. And so... He, they, they basically say he is Mandal- he's the, he's the leader of true Mandalorian. But what we, oh. what we, what we get, what we get out of this, um, it's kind of that the Mandalorian is an adoptive culture. And we also get that a little bit in the EU. The EU is also kind of explains like, it's like if they conquer a planet, those people can choose to become part of the Mandalorian culture, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, if Django stole it or Boba Fett stole it off of some guy, because there was a whole the other thing kind of in the EU is there was a guy pretending to be Boba Fett, um, you know, it, because he had the armor, had the look, and Boba Fett had to take him out, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, whatever it is, I, I, it seems like from a Mandalorian perspective, even with um, how we see it in Clone Wars where they're switching from a warrior culture to a peaceful culture and want to be – kind of neutral in the whole Clone Wars era, um, they still get caught up into it, you know? And I feel like, I feel like, um, that they are Mandalorian. I mean, you have the armor and they have the code and maybe, you know, they're not totally following code, but I mean, there's still, Olafet still follows rules. He still has rules. Right. I think, 
you're seeing that too, even from a, even with Mandalorian, he's deciding, he's forging his own path because he wants to follow the code, but he understands the value of this child, the baby Yoda, and makes a choice. He makes a choice and good or bad or indifferent. I mean, it's his choice and he is now creating his own organic family, which he never had. And that's, that's Star Wars, baby. That's the magic Star Wars. Um, yes. I, I think, think to, I really do feel like they're Mandalorian, regardless <laughs> if it's a true Mandalore or someone that's like a foundling. Very cool. That's, yeah. and that's exactly why I wanted to ask him. Because that's, I think that's a perfect answer. Yeah. I think that's great. You said my answer sucked. Well, I did. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I didn't answer the question, by the way. It still sucks. Yeah, no matter what you're gonna say, it still sucks. Whatever <laughs> comes out of your mouth, just, just yeah. say it sucks. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's Boba Fett in a nutshell, I think. Yeah. In a Mandalorian helmet. Yeah, in a Mandalorian helmet, and uh-huh. in, uh, in Beskar. Yeah. And uh, and we'd like to thank Todd once again for. Coming on through the uh, hollow net and being live and keeping us on track, even though we tried to derail a few times. Absolutely. <laughs> no, he he did it though, because he. Oh yes, that's true. <laughs> that was self-inflicted. He mentioned <laughs> the the Jabba scene in in A New Hope. That's true. This so, is true. So he has no now, now, now I know that's a trigger. I know that's a trigger. <laughs> Don't let it happen again. <laughs> Todd, can you uh, let uh, all the folks know where we can find you on uh, uh, out in the uh, netherworld? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so if you want to follow me in the Galactic Colonnet, uh, uh, personally, I'm at Tizod, so that's T-I-4-Z-O-D. Um, you can follow, follow me there on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Galactic Public Access, WSDR, you can follow that at WSTR Media, and then if you want to follow my other podcast, Big T, Little T, that is Big T, Little, L-I-L-T podcast on Instagram, and you can follow us there as well. And they are all worthy follows because you guys do great work and very interesting topics at WSTR, and I always enjoy um, every show, and it's fun, and uh, you guys take different approaches to the topics, and pros and cons and it's a nice it's a very well balanced conversation i love that so oh thank you very much yeah yeah no you're welcome it's well deserved sure we have some otq answers from mr rez mr rez mr rez yeah yes he's a fantastic supporter of not just podcasts in general but he's a great fan uh he's extremely knowledgeable and uh great fun as well and the uh when he comes in to whether it's a chat or a tweet, uh, stream, a thread, it's always on point and it's fun, but he's also extremely positive and just a great Star Wars fan. And, and we know, love great Star Wars fans. Exactly. And that's why we asked him, because he's a great yes. Star Wars fan. Perfect. So, I like where this is heading. Yes. <laughs> so we're pretty smart on this one, aren't we? Yes. Um, on this one. So, uh, so our first question that we asked him is um, our standard number one, which is? Uh, yes, our standard number one. What is your fandom origin story? Right. And Mr. Rez replies uh, that he's been a fan since he can remember. He saw The Empire Strikes Back in theater as a very young kid, and it changed him. Growing up with no other Star Wars fans that he knew of, he jumped headfirst into everything Star Wars. 
and Chewie was always his best friend. Nice. I love that. That's fantastic. And a good origin story, too, in the sense it's just like how enveloping it was for him from the start. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, a, a common but very unique story to everybody, just how that happens and Chewie being his partner throughout the whole thing is just, you know, awesome, yeah. obviously. Very cool. So number two is how does Star Wars impact your everyday life? And um, so uh, Mr. Rez replied, having two kids now, I try to show them all the positivity I took from all of Star Wars being a hardcore fan. I wanted them to experience Star Wars in their own way, not me telling them how awesome it is. But they love it too. Not, not one day has gone by since the early 1980s that I have not thought of Star Wars or Star Wars characters or Star Wars plot lines, etc. Star Wars is a part of me. And... I mean, that sounds just like us. I mean, like, we live yeah. th Star Wars every day, and that sounds mm -hmm. just like what, what Mr. Rez does as well. And, you know, the especially like I said before, when he has those deep cuts of, of uh, character lines or quotes or references and, like, some of those jaw-dropping ones. And mm -hmm. I've been in, um, in a few chats, like I've told you before, just sort of participating and... You know, one of the people who are live streaming will mention something and he'll drop a comment. It's like, oh, wow. It's just on point. Hats yeah. off. Absolutely hats off. Mm -hmm. All right. That's so great. Um, and then, of course, the, the third of our OT, OTQs was um, if you could have lunch with anyone from Star Wars, who would it be? Uh, what would you talk about? Anyone, including creators, artists, actors, characters, etc. It's my favorite of the questions. Um, <laughs> And, of course, his answer is uh, a lunch date would easily be Darth Sidious. We would discuss the future of the Galactic Empire and Star Wars. Very <laughs> good. I love that. That's very cool. And uh, what stories he would have at this point? Uh, yeah, he would probably, you know, he'd probably clue him in uh, on the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. Right. Teach him some Force lightning. Right. And, um, you know, uh, take him to the opera. Maybe. Right. And, you know, if they're having a steak dinner, it's not cooked just right. You can just throw a little bit of force lighting and heat it up for them and cook it just right. Delicious. <laughs> and um, our specific question, our fourth OTQ question, so, of course, the original trilogy questions, three, and then we threw in a fourth. And this one's specifically written for every participant. And in this one, uh, Pat came up with this question. And it was, what does your ideal social feed look Luke? And what are your favorite types of posts to interact with? Such dorks. <laughs> so we literally wrote Luke Luke, and uh, Mr. Rez had no problem understanding it. So uh, he, he got it 100%. So sure. that's awesome. And um, he replied with, the ideal social feed is what I have now on Twitter. All Star Wars, all day. Mm -hmm. I follow a lot of Star Wars creators and novelists. I've narrowed down my feed to down-to-earth fans. I can handle some negativity because everyone loves Star Wars for different reasons, and I'm down to hear those opinions usually. I watch a few Star Wars podcasts and really enjoy Star Wars live chats where everyone gives their opinions at once and we can all discuss, as well as Twitter Star Wars polls. Very cool. So you can curate that experience and have the positivity or... You can have the negativity if you want it, mm -hmm. and um, obviously Mr. Rez has a good handle on that. But what I what I can tell from Mr. Rez is that when I tweet for us and replying to certain things, or let's say you know our Thursday our Thursday list of podcasts that we listen to throughout the week, he's always re he's always uh, retweeting those, and because that's a nice thing for the community, like uh, sure. shout outs to other shows and everything, and I think. 
the positive side of his feed reflects how he interacts with his with everyone else. Yes, yeah. positive. It's fun. Uh, it's intelligent. It's deep Star Wars knowledge, and that that's what makes an awesome fan. And obviously, he's one of them. Yeah, and we're all about positivity. Yes. So yeah. That's right in our wheelhouse. Exactly. Nice. Very cool. Thank you very much, Mr. Rez. And um, you can follow Mr. Rez at Real Rez L E W D U B. So Real Rez Ludub. And with that, we are done. That's it. You can follow us on Twitter uh, at Swations on Twitter. Yes. Uh, on uh, Facebook at facebook.com forward slash conversations. Mm-hmm. We've got our and on email. the Instas. Oh, that's right. We're Instagram. On the Insta we are Instagram. That's right. Yeah. And that's at conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got our email at uh, conversations at gmail.com mm-hmm. and uh, the, the website. Mo- and the mothership website, which mm. we have to update with your awesome shot with, uh, with uh, Vi and uh, Ray. Oh, and Ray. Yeah, that's yeah. a very. And also our Insta. Yes, yes, we that's got to go up there, yeah, yes. In the contact. I will put that on that. I will put that, I'll put that okay. on Instagram. Okay. I mean, I didn't think you'd mean me to do that. No, no. Okay. No. Uh, want it done, then want it done, uh, right. Uh. <laughs> and there we go. So thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you guys in the next episode. May the force be with you. The force is strong with them. Oh, I agree, Master Plo. The force is very strong with these conversations. This is the conversation you're looking for.